Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 89 of Reboot Already Underway. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob Lacey, joined again today, as always, by Aaron. Oh boy, that's a spicy movie, Han. Okay. I just... <laughs> I'm, taking... I'm not Italian. <laughs> no, <laughs> but who among us is? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna do this thing where with you I'm just gonna say the first thing that comes to my head from now on. That sounds uh, dangerous. Well, that's what the editing tool is for, Aaron. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no David this week, Ma- Master of the Baja Blaster. Maybe we'll see. He might pop in. He broke finger <laughs> in a mysterious way that we don't know. <laughs> it was chewed off by a. Uh... An amphibian man. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, so we're just gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna have a good time, and we uh, hope David's finger gets good real good, gets good real soon. <laughs> is what I meant to say. Guys, we're going back to a topic that we've done before. We're doing a part two. It's been a minute since we've done a part two, so I think it's time. Uh, actors with the best records. Now, Aaron and I took this in two, two very different ways, I think. Not really. Okay. I, maybe. Aaron, you, Aaron said that he took it that they're good in everything they're in, even if the movie's not good. And I went with more of, like, they're in all great movies, and they're also great. But then I looked at some of these people's filmographies, and I'm like, oh, they've been in some bad ones. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well... We'll discuss. But guys, let's start. Who wants to start? I can go. You can go. We can both go. Uh, I can go. Go for it. Because I was just going to start off with a expected one. Okay. I guess. But I figured it was good timing to uh, bring him up, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um... Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> I've seen Lincoln. <laughs> Are you trying to count how many of his films you've seen? Yeah, I think that's the only one. To be honest, I haven't seen that many myself. I've seen... No, because you've seen The Crucible, right? Oh, yeah, he's in that. Because we, like, all watched that in English class. Yeah, yeah, I, I just forget he's in that. <laughs> he's, he's, like, much younger there. He's the best part of it. Yeah. Well, again, I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> I really wasn't paying attention that much when we watched it in class, so... Yeah, I'm not, sorry. Uh, surprisingly, no. But yeah, he's good. In, he's the best part of that. He uh, totally becomes Lincoln, and then I feel like the only other film I've seen of his is There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. But fantastic, that's a must-watch. Mm-hmm. Especially for the uh, milkshake speech at the end. Of, mm. That's the fact that he could like pull that off. And make it so, like, intimidating for such a ridiculous speech. That's the sign of a good actor. I need to watch it. Is it still on Netflix? I'm not sure. It kind of, like, bounces back and forth. I think Paul Thomas Anderson might be next on my list of directors to watch all of their stuff. I, I don't think I've seen a single Paul Thomas Anderson movie. 
I need to watch more, but I've seen a few. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah. He he is uh, a, uh, Abraham Lincoln is his name. Uh, in 1842, Abraham sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, you know it's true because it rhymes. Yep. <laughs> There's literally nothing else that it could ever be. <laughs> okay, yeah. So what do you love about the Lewis? Lewis and Clark. Uh, that even just having seen those three films of his, he's so radically different. Mm. in each one but he's so he just he becomes the character man all right yeah i mean he is known for his very um (laughs) method acting i guess he is like the method actor right um yeah i like it i went with a less conventional choice but also, he's hot right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's burning up the film reels. They're putting him in everything. They're saying, hey, get over here. Be in this commercial at the Super Bowl. And he's like, sure, bud. And uh, they're like, hey, get over here. <laughs> Be in this Marvel movie. And he's like, sure. I didn't watch any of the commercials, so I don't know who you're... And they're like, hey, get over here and be in this Lego movie. And he's like, yeah, sure. Chris Pratt is who I'm talking about here. Chris Pratt, not a, like, superb actor, but what a leading man to have in your movie. You know what I mean? I suppose. It's It's a different kind of great. Every time I see Chris Pratt in a movie, I'm like, I like this. I like, I like Chris Pratt. He's doing good work. He's, uh... It's just like, when you see someone on screen, you're like... I could kiss him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not critiquing that aspect of it. <laughs> I'm more just critiquing, you know passengers well yeah okay so (laughs) everyone has a black sheep in their filmography all right and passengers it certainly is passengers is freaking horrible but for what it is chris pratt he does something with it i think he's a funny guy real good in guardians of the galaxy he's real funny (laughs) He's <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> Lego Movie. <laughs> Passengers, he's a stalker in that one. It's not really funny. It's very creepy, and I'm not okay with that. Magnificent Seven. <laughs> this is quite a spectrum of quality you're developing delivery man not a good movie but every time he's in the movie i give it a little (laughs) bride wars (laughs) 
how funny he was. He got a, he got a hoo hoo out of me. That, yeah, that's, um, that's <laughs> really justified your choice there. Um, my other choice was Michael Strawberg. But I think I need to see more of him first before I really. He's a good choice. He is. I wanted to go a little unconventional. Because my other pick is uh, someone who is making the uh, awards rounds right now. So I want to pick someone who isn't in awards movies. <laughs> and someone who, like, he shows up and you're like, Chris Pratt, I like you. I'm happy you're in this movie. So, can you say that about Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. Would you, <laughs> would you be watching Jurassic Park Fallen World and Daniel Day-Lewis shows up? And What's he playing? <laughs> He's playing a dinosaur. And you're like, oh, I'm glad Daniel Day Lewis. What a brilliant acting choice from Daniel Day Lewis here. Playing the Velociraptor. Can you say that? Yes, I can. Never mind that. <laughs> Who's your second pick, Aaron? Oh, you're not talking more about Michael. Oh yeah, I can talk more. Uh, he's in the post. He's in Shape of Water. He's in Call Me by Your Name. Uh, those he's are the three awards movies this year. He's Men in one. Black Three. Who did he play in Men in Black Three? He's like the uh, alien that can perceive all the different timelines. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that movie. The only part I remember that movie is the really funny joke that. Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Will Smith. Will Smith. Not Will Ferrell. I think that's the first time those two have ever been confused for one another. I, yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, no, uh, Will, Will Smith has when he's like, he calls, uh, what's her name? Oh. Oh, yeah. He calls her O and calls KK. And he's like, well, that's just when I see a really nice-looking couple walking down the street. I say, okay. <laughs> and that joke made me laugh a lot. <laughs> so that's all I remember of that movie. I've seen that movie a ridiculous amount of times. Why? Why did you do that to yourself? I like it. I like it's it. It's certainly better than two. I'm not going to even question that. But ending's pretty dumb. Ending of three? Yeah. Yeah. Also, (laughs) yeah, other movies is in Arrival. Really good in Arrival. Really good in Lincoln. Serious Man. Um, I'm guessing he's good in Trumbo and Miss Sloan. Again, he's in all of these big prestige pictures that somehow... He just, he just, I think this is his breakout year, man. All right. Aaron. Yes. Who's your second pick? My second pick is a little bit unconventional as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where I'm like, not all the films are good, but he's good in them. Okay. John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Very funny guy. He is. I think, like, I read somewhere that he has, like, one of the best reception 
to of like any actor ever like if you were to like average the response of every film they've been in he's like one of the most consistently great actors really that's yeah. amazing i love <laughs> he that he's like number three on the list and it's such a weird <laughs> choice i love that okay but then you think about it and you're like no that makes sense yeah so so lobster of course mm-hmm. i don't know why that's <laughs> when i think of john c Rowley, i think of the lobster uh um stepbrothers probably his Ralph. his most popular film wreck it ralph of course yes talladega nights yeah he was the best part of the new king kong movie Do you not agree with that? Oh, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> <laughs> when was he in King Kong? Yes, yes. Yes, I would agree with that. But overall, a very forgettable movie. Um, right, but he was the best part. He was he the heart and soul. No, of course he was. The movie even... No, we're not going to spoil it on the podcast. Uh, so, all right. Give me more, Aaron. Give me more. More films? G- just... Give me one he's really good in, but that's a bad movie. <laughs> uh, well, Kong. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'd call Kong a bad movie. It's certainly not good, but it's okay. It's fine. Got dig deeper, Aaron. What about what about the Little Hours? Is that bad enough for you? I have it higher That's than Kong right. on my <laughs> on my rankings, so no, no. But he well, what, what is about, he's uh, hilarious Life in that movie. Uh, great movie, <laughs> best best movie ever made. I think might be what you're looking for there. Um, oh, and I forgot he was in a. We need to talk about Kevin. That's right. Which I also killed the Swinton, which who was my that was your pick, pick last time. time. Yeah. Should we tell who our picks were last time? So if someone's just listening to this and they're like, Chris Pratt, John C. Riley, <laughs> No, they can go, they can they go, can go listen. listen to it. Um, yeah, no, uh, John C. Riley's great. He has one of the best voices in Hollywood, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Right? Like, I just don't even know. It's like... Wispy, but also <laughs> wispy, I guess. Wispy, but also it has this, uh, it has this thunder to it at the same time. You know what I mean? Hopefully, you know what I mean because I certainly do not. So, hoping for you to just hop in with a insightful thought about. John C. Riley's performance. I no, I think we're gonna have to leave yeah, it there. Hop it. Okay. All right. So I'm going uh, maybe a little more conventional on this one. Maybe not. Uh, getting a lot of awards uh, praise this year, but she's always been good. Frances McDormand. Yeah. You're going to tell me that Fargo is not one of the best comedic performances you've ever seen? 
while also being one of the better dramatic performances you've ever seen, you're lying. You're lying if you say no. Yeah, you would be lying. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. She has some really funny bits in there. Three Billboards, obviously the movie she's getting tons of praise for. That's like her big starring role, really. Other than Fargo and I guess Burn After Reading too. Yeah, but I guess. Yeah. She's funny in that at least. You know, she that's what I'm I think I'm actually going a little bit more with what you're saying here. Even if Burn After Reading is like a very like one of the weaker Cohen Brothers movies, she like bolsters that movie on like a really funny performance. And uh, Three Billboards, she's extremely funny in that, too. But also can carry that emotional weight, that depth of character. Hail Caesar, mm-hmm. one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. She, she's barely in it. <laughs> but the scene she has is great. She's the projectionist. I don't know if you remembered. Okay. No, <laughs> I, was I, like, I didn't know you were looking around like, I don't know. <laughs> Blood Simple, her first movie. I believe she's married to Joel Cohen, correct? One of them. I can never remember. So that's why she's in like every Cohen Brothers movie. So Blood Simple. Um, for her first performance, I thought she was really great in it. Now, I didn't remember her being <laughs> in Transformers 3. Isn't she the mom? What? No. What? Oh, no, she was She plays the the intelligence agent. Okay. She's fourth billing in the movie. Who was the mom? Because the mom was like a famous actor as well, right? Dude, I don't know. Um, I can look it up. Uh, Julie White. Who is in Lincoln. Transformers, one, two, three, Monsters vs. Aliens, Michael Clayton. That's about it. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm know. Yeah, I don't know who you're thinking of there. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember her being at that. <laughs> but <laughs> she's probably great. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. About a Transformers movie that she's someone's great in it, but um, yeah, no. it's just like every again, same with Chris Pratt. Every time I see Francis McDormand in a movie, I'm like, You good? She's one of the greats. I feel like you don't like this choice. No, it's a fine choice. I just didn't have much to say about it. Yeah, all right, it's been a lot of stuff. If you if you're slick. I don't know what I was going to say. All right. So, that's it. We're done. End of podcast. (laughs) Let's move on to the upcoming movies of the week. Aaron, we've got a a week ahead of us in, in cinema. We do. Do we want to talk about the second James Corden vehicle from Sony Pictures Animation? <laughs> Peter Rabbit. I mean, I'd rather talk about the first one. But... The Emoji Movie. 
has he been in a lot of stuff? I guess I don't know. Like I, James Corden was like not even a name until this year, and then all of a sudden he just kind of blew up. No, I feel like he's at least been a film presence since Into the Woods, maybe. What? What's that? Yeah. Into the Woods. Yeah. The film based on the musical. Okay. Okay, that's the Disney one. Yeah. Yeah. Is he who he singing that? Yeah. Oh no. Uh, he's in Begin Again. He's in Into the Woods. He's in Trolls. He's in the Emoji Movie. Three Musketeers. Has he? Oh, that, there was a 2011 Three Musketeers movie. It's so bad. I didn't even know that this existed. But the guy who did all the Resident Evil movies? How have I not seen this? <laughs> because it's so bad. Uh, it's P.W.S. Anderson, not P. Paul Thomas Anderson. Really? No, not trying to trick anyone there, are you? Uh, Ocean's 8, he's going to be in. Gulliver's Travels, I didn't see that one. Um, Planet 51. He seems to have a thing for bad animated movies. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh no. That gives me bad thoughts for Wreck-It Ralph 2. <laughs> Aaron, if Wreck-It Ralph 2 is bad because of James Corden, <laughs> I'm what not going to be okay. High five <laughs> oh in the movie. And they just like have a tangent where they start trashing it. Would that not be the best? <laughs> they take like 20 minutes out of their movie just to talk <laughs> absolute crap about the Emoji movie. Alright, sure. I'll do it. I'm there for it already. You don't need to convince me. Uh, yeah, so Peter Rabbit is a story about a rabbit named Peter. Where's a coat? He, um, there was parties, according to the trailer. That Portugal the Man song plays in the trailer. And I liked that song, but it's being done to death in trailers right now. I can name two right now, Peter Rabbit and Game Night that use it. And I'm sure there'll be a third one before this month is over. And uh, everyone needs to stop. Domnahal Gleason is. <laughs> I'm just gonna butcher his name more and more every time. <laughs> I I don't know why. Because I know it kind of bothers you <laughs> a little bit. Um. Dom Dom. Um. Now I really don't know how to say it. Domhall. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Don't Donald. 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 Like Donald with a D. It's like Donald, but without no. the Donald part. Don Donald. My name's Donald Trump. <laughs> and uh, he, oh, what a wacky situation he gets into. <laughs> they were just having a party in his house. 
they all go away and they hide because the person's coming in the house and he sits on the couch and he sees a pig and he thinks it's so scary and he yells and the pig yells it's oh what a wacky adventure i'm sure we'll get into with peter rabbit and friends did you, did you know that peter rabbit's dad was baked into a pie And that's an actual plot point. Dark backstory? Yeah. He he has a tragic backstory. But, like, it's not a dark and gritty reboot. Like, that's the actual backstory. That's... 59% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> right now. So. Uh, Peter Rabbit's feud with Mr. McGregor reaches new heights as uh, both uh, compete for the affections of a kind animal lover who lives next door. Um, yeah. Roseburn. Roseburn. Roseburn got dragged into this, and um, so did Dom- Domino Gleason. Dono, and so Let's did so did Sam Neill, and Daisy Ridley, and Margot Robbie, and Elizabeth Debicki, who was also dragged into another movie from this week that we'll talk about. <laughs> so, <clears throat> suffering under a tirelessly hip script. <laughs> It's too hip, Aaron. The kids these days, they're ruining our Peter Rabbit movies. What can you say? Except for um, boycott Peter Rabbit. Oh, my God. (laughs) He directed Easy A, Aaron. (laughs) He directed Easy A. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is where he is now. I think we can just move on from there. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. I got one question for you. Answer. What's the question? There we go. That's what I was looking for. Aaron. My question for you. um, Is that it's almost Valentine's Day uh, weekend. I think Valentine's Day is like the middle of the week. This this week? No. Not this week. Next week. Yeah, but like it's the almost the weekend for Valentine's Day. So you know what that means? It is time to get sexy. With Fifty Shades Freed. I'm going to lower that just a little bit more. Aaron, how hyped are you for the climax of the Fifty Shades trilogy? To be fair, that is a good tagline. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is very good tagline. Cre- credit where credit is due. But also... 
uh, directed by James Foley, who also directed the second one, who also directed Glen Gary Glen Ross. <laughs> he went from that to this. I think he just saw there was money in this, and he was like, I'm going to make this now. <laughs> this is what I do now. <laughs> uh... Dakota Johnson, back again, back again, jiggity jig. Jamie, Jamie uh, Dornan. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy, and he's in the movie. Rita Ora in it for some reason. I don't know why. Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't really think they had, like, acting standards when they went into this. They really had any standards. Yeah. I mean, if you start with that as your source material. Now, how much more do you think they milk out of this? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they do the, uh, the, the, like, didn't they do, like, a gender-swapped version of the books? No, they did, like, a perspective-swapped. Do you think they do that in the movies? I, you know, I do. I do. They'll literally just be the same movies. <laughs> like, I don't, it's literally the same book. Like, I don't get, I don't get it. But it's from his perspective. Yeah. It was Twilight they gender swapped, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the same. It's the same story. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Genuine, for helping out this week uh yeah so i won't be seeing this but then again not my kind of movie not everything's for everyone aaron yeah that being said come to visit and we'll binge all three of them that's not incentive <laughs> i've got i've got I got a Blu-ray player preloaded with the movies, Aaron. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're kidding. Let's move on. <laughs> because that was weird. <laughs> to what have we been watching segment. To the what have we been watching segment. This week. Aaron, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Who has the shorter list, I guess? Probably me. Then... Take the lead, my man. I think we should start with the film we both watched. <sighs> That's right. Have you forgotten it already? <laughs> no, I just am not <laughs> on the ball today. <laughs> so, yes. Well, I've noticed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cloverfield Paradox. Right. I want to just say, get this out of the way first. That if we based movie quality completely on marketing or lack thereof, I don't think anything would beat this movie. <laughs> like, this, this was... probably, like, the least marketed film of all time. Le least marketed, like, uh... In terms of, like, the actual Blockbuster, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, obviously, they got a huge audience for the trailer. But... Yeah. Yeah. This was crazy. Seeing but it this. was like 
10 seconds of new footage in that 30 second spot and that was it yep and we kind of know why now (laughs) so i wanted to love this i was ready to love this man same but the first scene just put me off so much and i was like okay oh man ever since the war started and Blah blah. Oh, this is the fifth blackout today. <laughs> like, it's, oh it's god. So weird. This film alternates so frequently between looking super cheap and super expensive. Yes. And it's very jarring. You can tell what was reshoots and what was originally there. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> this is better than Justice League, but <laughs> not by much. Um. I ended up moving it down. My hype was so high on this. I, I did too. It's number three for okay. the year for me right now. I And I think that's okay that the hype is such a big part of this movie. It's certainly... I probably will never watch this movie again. But at the same time, it was an event. And I'm weirdly okay that it was bad. A lot of times I'm yeah. like how man but this one i'm just like like if i had paid money to see this in theaters Mm. i probably would have been very disappointed but just you know the surprise netflix review i was like yeah yeah, i'm okay with that yeah and it's not to say there's not good stuff in here because there is no i i appreciated how weird it got at points yeah, you know, when dude. you just have, like, Chris O'Dowd, like, interacting <laughs> with his <laughs> severed arm. You know, like, that was high-quality stuff, stuff. Like, the parts where it was more comedic and mm-hmm. less, both less self-serious and less intent on tying the franchise together, And that's those just, were the best parts. That's just the dumbest. I hate it. I, in Cloverfield Lane... My least favorite part of that whole movie is the last 20 minutes. It doesn't mm-hmm. ruin the entire experience, but it is just like, why does it end like this? This is not the same movie anymore. And no. instead of doing that this time, they just have those 20 minutes interspersed throughout the movie. So you can never get any like real sense of pacing or any tension or anything. Because you know what the ending's going to be. If they were to take out all those middle parts and just say like i don't know there's a way to do this where like that final shot and Aaron knows what i'm talking about where that final shot is a surprise and is cool mm-hmm. but they just I, yeah, I, they i think if they had cut all the other earth scenes mm-hmm. and just had that final shot right because you can make that anytime at that point and also, it's weird, like, they messed up their own timeline. Yeah. Where, like, really they use flip phones in Cloverfield, and they have timestamps on the footage. It's 2008. <laughs> and in this movie, we have, we're breaking, like, the uh, space-time <laughs> continuum. <laughs> like, Huh? Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama, yeah. Right when Obama gets elected, we get a giant monster. 
which I'm pretty sure was also confirmed to be from the sea. And now we're just saying that it's not that anymore. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. They need to but... strike this from the canon. And it's so easy to do that. You're going you're gonna to start a petition? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> Listen, I don't care enough about Cloverfield to start a petition. But I'm saying I think the smart thing to do is to present this as like an alternate universe version of Cloverfield. <laughs> right. I hope with the next one, they make it more standalone i agree that would like be they better ha- they have their explanation now that's fine it's so dumb it's such a bad explanation aaron <laughs> that's such a bad explanation but it's an enjoyable like yeah i was science fiction film to watch i wasn't ever bored so i guess i'll give it that yeah what's what's her name gugu mabathara i'm <laughs> I don't think I'll tell you the market, but yes. Close I'm enough. sorry. I'm sorry I'm horrible. Her name's probably not pronounced like that. I can't believe I... I'm looking at her name now, and I can't believe I recalled all of that. So, I'll take that as a win, I guess. Yeah, sure. I'll give it um, to you. But she's good in it. She's very good. Outside of, like, the dialogue that is extremely exposition-heavy. <laughs> um, Daniel Brohl, I mean, he's just good. I mean, he'd be one that I'd be like, yeah, he's good in everything I've seen him in. So. Do you not know who he played? <laughs> no, he was the German yeah. guy. You're looking very confused, so I didn't know what. All right. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki, which we already talked about. I don't, I didn't really like her in this movie. She was doing, I don't know what she was doing here. Uh, David Oyelowo, I think I nailed that one. Chris O'Dowd, uh, John Ortiz. Um, So just like a really great cast. Yeah. They just really couldn't put the oomph into it. I don't know. I think that it's, I mean, it's just fairly obvious what happened here is they had a fairly decent but pretty, you know, rote uh, science fiction thriller. Then they're like, okay, we're going to slap some Cloverfield stuff on this. And then they didn't have access to either enough money or time or or J.J. Abrams, because apparently he was supposed to do some last minute edits, but got called away for Star Wars. So, dude. It could never hurt to have J.J. Abrams work on your movie. Let's just be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I really hope that this isn't the precedent for Cloverfield films going forward. Um, but Except for the part of being put on Netflix. I hope that continues. I don't. I don't want that. I, I, I think it's a surprise that worked. But I don't want it to happen again. I think we're on opposite ends on that one. To be fair, I have not seen a Cloverfield movie in a theater. Maybe that's just me. I'm like, I need to see at least one. Give me one. You should have seen the second one. Yeah, but... Okay, sure. (laughs) I think the first one's best still, but that's just me. 
yeah, I'm I'm good with Cloverfield Paradox. That's yeah, another. Okay. Uh, it's just forgettable. I don't know. Anyway, so you want me to just continue with the rest? Go for it. Go for it. All right. So the major one I want to talk about is I finally got around to watching Before Midnight. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. Right. Another one. Because I was I was waiting because I was like I watched the last one on my birthday last year, so I'll watch this one on my birthday this year. Ah, very nice. And it's just kind of cool. Like, like then it's just like. Okay, now I'm paying attention to the passage of time in my own life. Now I can see it reflected on the passage of time on screen. So I ended up getting a bit of an existential crisis. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay. Because I guess I guess the way it's described is the first film is very much like what this relationship, like what kind of like they hope people hope for and then this second and then like as the series progresses it gets more and more like practical of what a relationship like can be mm-hmm. and so this one is like the i don't know how to describe it but it's very like <laughs> i don't know the right word to describe it but it's definitely you know a film that i'm gonna have to revisit when i'm older okay because it's very much like kind of about being in that like 40 year old your life is kind of like settled in at that point and you know the complications of all the choices you've made in your past and stuff like that all the things you went for and all the things you didn't go for so yeah but it was fantastic as always my I think I put it my second favorite of the trilogy. Okay. The so original favorite? This one, then Sunset. Yep. Now, do you think they do a fourth one? I don't know. When they're old people. I don't know. I mean, it was... If it would be nine years between each, that would be... 2022? They would have to make it. There we so, go. That really... I don't know, I'd be up for it. That would mess with Criterion's packaging, for sure. <laughs> that's true. But it'd be worth it for another film, because they're all excellent. One of the best trilogies of all time. Mm, even better than the Sam Witwicky Transformers trilogy. The Wit- that's what Wit- I said. I said. I said one of the best. Wit- 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 <laughs> can't even say it. Wit- Will- <laughs> Wit- Wit- trilogy. Wit- trilogy. Yeah, I think that's going to be my new birthday tradition. Is just I might start the cycle over again and watch Sunrise next. <laughs> that's pretty meta. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, I like it. I like it. Because they're definitely films I want to revisit, but I still want you know time to pass time between each one. That's what we all want, Aaron. More time. Yes. And moving so, on yeah. <laughs> from that Next depressing up, note. Uh, from the AFI Top 100, watched Taxi Driver. And you talking was... to me? <laughs> uh, I don't know the lines after that. <laughs> I was going to, but I also think I can't say them on the podcast. So I, I'll, I'll take, a, take an L on that one. 
but yeah, this was a really, it's weird because I was like surprised at how good this film was, even though like it's a classic film. Like, right. This is one of the most acclaimed films of all time, but it, I guess it just wasn't what I expected it to be. Right. Here, this movie is so pretty, uh, pretty dour. <laughs> like... it, yeah, it is. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I was getting it mixed up with that film, with the the I'm Walking Here film. I don't know what film that actually is. <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> but I thought that was this film. Oh, no, it's, it's not. not. It's not, no. <laughs> the but, I'm yeah. Walking Here film. <laughs> I'm just going to type that into Google and see what it comes up. It will work. But, yeah, um, Robert De Niro is great in this. Mm-hmm. This is back when... Uh, yeah. <laughs> like if we were making this podcast like thirty years ago, mm-hmm. best track record. Robert De Niro for the, <laughs> best for the first track record. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not anymore. But back then, he's on fire. Um, Midnight Cowboy is the name of it. Oh, so I'm gonna have to watch that anyway because that's also on the list. There we go. Dustin Hoffman, John Voight, Sylvia Miles, John MacGyver. So, John Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Anyway, I'm just talking now. What's up now? Same. But, yeah, Taxi Driver, it's just... I don't know. It was a very, like, kind of surreal, and it's very... I don't know, I guess I didn't expect it to be as artsy as it is. Oh, really? I guess yeah. I didn't expect that either. I thought it would be very, uh, uh, like, working-class hero-type movie. It it kind of is, but it's like... You haven't seen Drive, right? No. It reminded me a lot of Drive, just kind of like that mm. slow-paced crime film. Is Drive where... as bad as Wickle- Nicholas Whiting ref- reference other uh, movies uh, with Neon no. in the poster? It's not I as bad as that. Okay. I, re- I recommend Drive. Okay. And Taxi Driver. All right. I'll get to it eventually. Um, you know how I said that I was going to be watching TV shows? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I've been watching movies. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm over my uh, movie fatigue. But. All right. So, last up. I ended up watching the first two American Pie movies. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. And? I don't know. I guess I'm just like, okay, now I've seen them. Time and a place type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like I already knew most of the scenes Mm -hmm. just because they're so iconic. But I had never actually seen the full movie. So I was like, I probably should watch these at some point. Yeah. But yeah, they're just, they're quite problematic. Oh, yeah. Oh, certainly. Exactly. It's a time and a place type thing. Like, it is a time capsule of the 90s in every way. Yeah. Um, All the problems included. Uh, I think I liked the second one better, maybe. Like, I think the first one. I have not seen the second one, so I don't know. The first one had, like, the better bits, but I think the second one actually developed the characters more. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, okay, these are actual people now. And it's also being more critical of them, in a sense. Yeah. It's like, hey, they need to grow up a little. 
So now, are you going to watch three in reunion? I am, but they weren't on Netflix. They are. They just have the uh, spin-off films, which I have oh, no God. interest in. <laughs> and the one guy's in all of them. What's his name? Fred Willard. Not Fred Willard. No, not Fred Willard. <laughs> yeah, but like they're the same character and everything. <laughs> wow, what is his name? What is his name? Uh, never mind, it'll come to me. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're, they're whatever. Um, I was thinking of this today, and maybe you can help me with this. There is no teen. I- iconic teen film from the 2010s yet. I'd say Breakfast Club 80s, obviously. 90s American Pie. 2000s Mean Girl. 2010s, nothing yet. Like, we're just going to skip mean, a whole I think decade. We have to wait a little to see what emerges. I guess. I think Mean Girls is one of those that was just like, yep, <laughs> this is it. Everyone loves this. Um, Lady Bird. I'll take Lady Bird as the. Uh, but I don't think that's really lighting a fire, much like these other three have or did at the time. No. They're just cultural phenomena. Phenomenons. Cultural phenomenons. It's yeah. It's not enough of a mainstream. Yeah. Film. We'll see. We've still got two years. Is it going to be blockers? Anyway. <laughs> and uh yeah um so is that is that what you got for me aaron yeah do we want to talk about good. the good place sure yeah uh so the good place had its uh season finale this past week uh and it is good it's very good Indeed. um just like last year, I'm excited for the direction it's taking. I think it's right. um, probably the smartest show on TV right now. Something that is expertly written, has a plan, and also is hilarious. So I really hope they know how it's going to end. <sighs> I feel like they do. They do. They have. They, they know. I'm giving them giving them a chance. So But I also don't want it to be a case where they like stretch it out more than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that as well. But as you for can right really now only reinvent yourself so many times. Yeah. As for right now though, I think they're doing a great job of bringing new ideas to the table and all that so i don't know I, I like this show a lot we'll continue to watch just like the other nbc show superstore which i will continue to watch who had one of their best episodes this past week um one of their funniest and also kelly on that show is my favorite and all i want is for that character to be happy so, if you take that away from me, Superstore, <laughs> I will take my viewership somewhere else. I probably won't. I probably won't. So, anyway, that's that for there. Uh, movie time. Ring-a-ding-ding-ding. Ding, ding.
ding do. <laughs> I saved it, Aaron. Don't look at me like that. I saved it. Sure. Um. So let's talk about a movie that emotionally devastated me. Paddington. <laughs> I. I never expected this movie to be as amazing as it is. Have you seen Paddington? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about Paddington? I know. I thought it was very enjoyable. Better than I expected. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel. And it is Paddington. <laughs> this movie starts. And I'm like, oh, this is charming. I like it. And then uh, the whole opening sequence happens, and I'm like, they're not going to do this. <laughs> this doesn't happen. It happens. Dark backstory for Paddington. <laughs> and uh, then everything after that just charmed me to my core. I was smiling the whole time. I enjoyed every moment of this movie. Like, this might be one of the greatest films I have ever seen. And I am not even lying when I say that. I would have never thought. I saw the trailer for Paddington when it was coming out. And I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, well, look at that little baby movie, Paddington. Ugh. Put that in the Curious George bin. Ugh. I still haven't seen Curious George. That might be good. I don't know. But, um. That one was animated, right? Yes. And then Paddington 2 comes out, and I'm like, oh, another one? What will these swine come up with next? And then all of a sudden Paddington 2 has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, well, I want to see the second one, so let's watch the first ones on Netflix. And um, lots of tears followed in that um, scene, scene in that movie. Nicole Kidman might be one of the greatest cartoon villains of all time. <laughs> like, she just is so over the top in the best way possible. And I don't know what happened. Something clicked in me where I'm now a Nicole Kidman fan. I don't know what happened. I used to not like Nicole Kidman at all. And now all of a sudden everything she's in, I'm like, oh my god, I love Nicole Kidman. Um... She's amazing in this. She's so funny. She's so, like, weird and just, what is she doing? I don't know. But it works. And Paddington's just the cutest little bear you ever done seen. Mm-hmm. And Sally Hawkins just melts my heart. She's just, this movie touched me, Aaron. <laughs> in the best way a movie can. So, I, you know, big Paddington fan over here. We'll watch again. Gotta see Paddington Gonna 2. Gonna watch 2? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I don't know if I'll see it in theaters. I got other stuff to watch. But uh, that'll be one that is definitely on Blu-ray before the end of the year. So I'll be watching it. Paddington. Don't sleep on Paddington. It's a good movie. Maze Runner. The Death Cure. So... My number one movie of the year right now, believe it or not. <laughs> um, as I was watching this, I was like, yeah, this is all right. Like, it's not great, but also 
there's nothing like offensive about it. It's not like, oh, this is horrible. Oh, like no one gives a bad performance. It's just everything is so middle of the road the entire time that I'm so just it's like exactly like the second one was. Yeah, I think it's better than the second one. I'd say it's better. There's not as much stupid zombie stuff. Like I don't get I don't get where that came from in the second one. I'm like, oh, this is first one, interesting story, good mystery. Second one, uh, we're just running from zombies now. This one, there's like an actual like, there's like sort of a heist element to it, um, which was nice. Um, but it's also two hours and twenty minutes long, and mm-hmm. that's way too long. It's better than splitting the movie into two. Right. Um. But also, there was definite cuts that could have been made here. Um, I just... The end feels like a video game ending. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, the the final... It's like, there is legitimately a final boss in this movie, basically. And it's even like, it's like something out of Uncharted. And it works in Uncharted because it's trying to be this pulp action adventure where it's like, it's doing those tropes in a fun way. But in this, it's like, it's a serious movie all the way through. And then you get to this and you're like, um, where did this come from? And there's even like one of the worst cliches where it's like, you missed. And he's like, did I? And it's like, oh my God, that's a cliche that needs to go away. Forever. Forever. It, it's bad. Um, that being said, I think Dylan O'Brien's a fine actor. He's, he's a good enough action star as well. Like He has a certain quality to him there. Caius uh, Scolidario is like way better in this one. Which is weird because in Maze Runner and Scorch Trials, she is awful. Like, the worst part of the movie. And in this one, she is by far the most interesting character. The most conflicted, the most... There's, like, more substance to her in this one. But... They still aren't, like... They try to continue to sell you on the romance between her and Dylan O'Brien. It's like, not after two. Not after two. (laughs) Like, what she didn't do is unforgivable. So... Um. Yeah, and the the mirror guy from Once Upon a Time's in it, and uh... <laughs> also making a really weird, not quite cameo, but it feels like he had a way bigger role that was cut for some reason. Walton Goggins is in it, and I'm like, okay. Walton Goggins, I like this. And then his character is just gone (laughs) before the climax. Like, it's not like you don't know what happens to him. You do. But, like, why was that his character? I I do not get it. Um, But, yeah. Anyway, it's whatever. Characters from 2 who are important just aren't in it. Uh, What was the kid's name? He was in the book and he was important in that, too. Um, but it's the one, it's the new kid that they meet at the facility and comes with them in two. He is in one scene (laughs) in this whole movie. 
And they act like he's so important in two. It's so funny. I'm sure he's like important in the book. And then well, they this just changed something. <laughs> yeah. So I read someone wrote something on Letterboxd that was like, it's almost like uh, Wes Ball's dog ate his ate the copy of the second and the third books, and he just took what was left and kind of just like patched it together into a movie. <laughs> and it's like it might be better because of it. Let's be honest. I, like I said, I stopped reading the third book halfway through. Yeah, couldn't do it. And in the end, satisfi- satisfying enough conclusion. I mean, you know where this is going to go from the minute zombies are introduced so um but you know at least they finished it it wasn't like divergent where they're just like and uh now we're done (laughs) no conclusion to this story (laughs) so good for them i guess now it's time to get to the real good stuff aaron back to the coen brothers uh filmography that i've been watching through Starting mm-hmm. with a serious man, um, Michael Stol Stol uh, <laughs> I'm never gonna get it right, and that is the only like name actor in this movie. It is other than that, it is like all unknowns. I think that's really an interesting, for like so the whole movie is just about this guy who's just a normal everyday American and like an everyday American family. And it, it's very, other than what, what one am I looking for? What Coen brother movie? Well, it's, let me just say this. It's one of their most surreal movies to where I'm like, what is happening right now? But also it's one of their most mundane in the way they like, juxtapose those two things is really strange and during it i'm like i don't know if i like this but by the end i was was pretty sold on it um especially because i have like a theory about the movie that i want to be true um so it's on netflix if anyone wants to watch it no i i saw that so i put it in my queue so um maybe i'll get to it soon yeah, it's in the middle uh, of, of their filmography for me right now. It's a little bit closer to the top, I think. But my bigger priority is the next one you're going to be talking about. Yes. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis um, is the Coen Brothers' best movie that I've seen. I, I've, I'm, I'm still missing Intolerable Cruelty, so that might take it. But uh, I'm just kidding. It's the one that might still take it is uh, No Country for Old Men, which I still haven't watched. I'm saving that one for last, I think. That'll be my last one, and then I'll move on. Um, but this movie is so unlike any other Coen Brothers movie, and yet it is so Coen Brothers at its core that there was no way I wasn't going to like this movie. <laughs> I don't, there is no other Coen Brothers movie that has moved me. Like, they, the Coen Brothers do their thing, and they're, like, funny movies, or they're interesting dramas, and they do something weird and stylized with a, you know, a well-worn idea. And this one, they sort of do that, but at the same time, 
it's so like there's comedy but there it is very like you feel it man <laughs> you're like oh it's about a struggling musician in the 60s and that's just it that's the plot of the movie and you just follow this guy through his life so automatically i'm going to love it again <laughs> 60s movie or 60s period piece musician day in the life they wrote this movie for me Aaron. um i i just love it um one of the more they're more interestingly shot movies as well to where at first it feels very mundane and it's very their their color palette is very drab but the longer it went on the more i like just appreciated what it was going for and these are probably the most well-written characters in a coen brothers movie like to where they feel like real people where in everything else, like, as much as I love Coen Brothers characters, they are characters. They are, you know, one-note tropes that, like, they work. That sounds really, like, I'm not dissing that. I think that works for them. But in this, uh, Oscar Isaac's character is a character, and you feel for him. And it's just, this movie's amazing. Absolutely amazing some of the best musical performances I've ever seen in a movie. Just absolutely powerful. Um, yeah, I just love it. I love it so much. So, uh, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, it's uh, streaming on Amazon as well. <laughs> uh, I also have the Criterion, so that's where I watched this. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how this is received by people i don't know if this is considered one of their best i think so didn't it get like a best picture nom it did not get a best picture nom it got uh best production design and one other weird one let me see if i can find it um but yeah i was i don't know to think that this didn't get one i'm like ugh. And A Serious Man got a Best Picture nomination, and I like A Serious Man, but it is no Inside Lewin Davis. Plus, you get a little bit of John Goodman in there, spicing up the movie. Carrie Mulligan, she's good. Justin Timberlake, he good. Timberlake's a good actor. I want to say it. Yeah. He picks bad movies, certainly. Uh, achievement in cinematography um, and achievement in sound mixing. And wow, this is one of the few movies they did not use um, Deacons for. Bruno hmm. Del Bono, uh, who did really well. I think he nailed uh, exactly what the feeling of this movie is. I'm excited for you to see it. I really This is... Solid, solid, so. Yeah. I'm excited to see it, too. And I want to talk about, like, theories, man. It's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and that's it. That's all I watched this week. Oh, yeah? 
uh, next one, I'm going to probably watch one of the movies that's considered bad for the Coen brothers. <laughs> so lady killers are intolerable cruelty. Here we come. Um, so, yeah. That's it. Guys, let's move on. Oops, I'm throwing my pen around the room. To the casting segment this week. This week. We're casting Mean Girls. Uh-oh. Is that that movie that they do that? I honestly don't know. I think that might be either that or um, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. <laughs> Have you seen that one? That's a kid's movie know. for some reason. Uh, yeah. You can understand my confusion. Both Lindsay Lohan movies. Mean Girls is not Disney, but... All right, let's do this. All right. We're talking first about Katie, the Lindsay Lohan character. Mm-hmm. For that, let's go with you first. Let's go with you first. Okay. For that, I went with Haley Steinfeld. Because I, I, I think she just, <laughs> you know... I haven't seen Edge of Seventeen yet, but that's good. Like... I just picked a natural redhead for some reason <laughs> because I was like Lindsay Lohan. I think she might be a natural redhead. I don't know. I just assumed. I guess. Who'd you pick? Uh, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones <laughs> and X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> so. I think you should come to my side. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? You don't like the Sophie Turner? I think we should uh, be basing it more on acting talent than hair color. If that's where you want to go with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Well, this is uh, not going to go the way I want then because here we go. Regina George. Uh, I went with... Fairly obvious pick. Emma Roberts. A bit old now for the role, I think. She's a bit old, but that's the work. Uh, I think I've got the age right. And also, she played this character in a 2016 movie, basically. Or 2017 movie, basically. Uh, Bella Thorne. You're thinking of the babysitter? Yeah. She's got the comedy chops, which are what you're going for in Mean Girls. And also, this could be her chance to really break out, do something good with her career. <laughs> Sorry. Poor Bella Thorne. I really do think she's good. I think she just needs the right movie. So. Yeah. So I think you should come right, to I'll, my I'll, side. I'll, I'll come to your side. It's a good choice. She was good enough. Yeah. All right, so uh, Mr. Duvall. Uh, I went with Sterling K. Brown. Okay. Because, you know, he's got that This Is Us hype going now. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Did you see the tweet? It's <laughs> my favorite tweet of all time, though. Because <laughs> they were running previews for This Is Us during the yeah. Super Bowl. And it was, like, the <laughs> of the dad, like, because the whole episode was about, like, 
Like how, the crock pot catches fire, right? Yeah, like how does the dad die? And it was there was like the dad in the fire in the house or whatever. And someone tweeted, if you think this game is hot, wait till you watch the dad burn alive on This Is Us. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I went with a favorite. He's always in our movies because we love him here. Donald Glover. Is he old enough? That's a good question. And I don't know how old Tim Meadows was when this movie was released. I feel like definitely older than Donald Glover. That's fine. We can go Sterling K. Brown. That's a better choice. I just feel obligated to put Donald Glover in all of our movies. (laughs) David will appreciate it. Yeah. I think he will, too. All right. So Sterling K. Brown. Uh, Miss Norberry. I went with uh, Rashida Jones. Because I was just I was trying to think of a good legacy for mm. Tina Fey, so I was thinking of the NBC sitcoms, and I was like, "Yeah, Rashida Jones." It's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's better than my pick. <laughs> <laughs> So this woman <laughs> had a very nice comedic turn. Best part of the movie in uh, Wilson this past year. <laughs> Laura Dern. <laughs> I also feel committed to putting Laura Dern in all of our movies. But we're going with Rashida Jones. I don't think that's even a question. Is it? I don't think it is. I guess not. Alright, so Janice. Uh, Janice, I went with Zendaya. <laughs> she was like the outcast. Zendaya's in the movie, guys. Oh, <laughs> That's who okay. I picked, too. That's who I picked, too. Because, like, she was the outcast in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. And she nailed that role, so. Speaking of Spider-Man Homecoming, for Damien, I've got Jacob Batalon. Battalion, battle, battalion, battalion. That's uh, that's who I had to. <laughs> that just speaks to how good <laughs> these picks are. I guess we're on the same wavelength there. Gretchen Wieners, Aaron. Uh, I went with the. I'm not confident in this pick, but I went with Ariana Grande. Huh. You can see it, right? Sell me on it. Sell me on it. I don't know. She just seems like the kind of, from what I understand of like both her public persona and her private persona. <laughs> She just. <laughs> she seems like the kind of vengeful, <laughs> yeah, vengeful human. Yeah. Okay. I went with Zoe Dutch <laughs> because I thought it would be funny if she played high school. It's good. Pick. I mean, but I think Ariana Grande—that's a good stunt casting. We get right. we get the kids in the door in that one. <laughs> Um, 
Okay. So, Ariana Grande. Uh, so, and then we've got Karen, who I forget her last name. But uh, I went with Anya Taylor-Joy. There you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just picked her because she looked like her, too. <laughs> I, see, I don't know these like t- like high school actors well enough. So where I'm like, Anya Taylor-Joy, she was good in The Witch. She was good in Split. And she looks like Amanda Seyfried. Exactly. So yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy. There we go. So who are we getting to direct this movie? I think it might be an obvious pick. There was the obvious pick, but I didn't want to go for it because I wanted to go for something a little different. Okay. So I went with Karen Kusama, based on her work in Jennifer's Body. Ah, okay. Because that's like one of the best depictions of like that female rivalry slash friendship mm. that I've seen in film. So. Okay, I didn't know that was a good movie. It's not really. <laughs> Aaron, wait, wait up! It is. It's not okay. Like I would recommend it, but it has massive like structuring problems okay i went with tina fey i think that was the obvious choice is that who you were uh thinking was the obvious choice oh no i thought you were gonna go with like greta gerwig well i would love to go with greta gerwig (laughs) but i think we need to pay homage to tina fey's wonderful writing ability of the original and let her have her come back and be like hey i'm directing this this time it's 2020 I'd give that to you. Tina Fey. So, for our cast of Mean Girls, we got Haley Steinfeld, Bella Thorne, Sterling K. Brown, Rashida Jones, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, I don't know how to pronounce names, Ariana Grande, (laughs) and Anya Taylor-Joy. And honestly, that's a really great cast. That might be one of our best casts that we've done yeah at least one of the most consistent yeah we don't have uh rick astley in here uh oh my god (laughs) miss you david now do we want to think about who david would have had for some of these i i can't speak for the man i can't either Adam Sandler would be in it. Adam Sandler would be the principal. <laughs> Mr. Duvall. Adam it. Sandler would be the director. <laughs> no one really understands the female perspective like Adam Sandler, alright? He's truly an auteur in that way. <laughs> what, what about Mel Gibson? Oh my he, god. He could read uh, women's minds in that one film, you know? What? What movie He's was a that? What, 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 what women want? Have you ever seen that? No. I've never even heard of well, that. Well, don't. Just, just don't. Yeah, yeah. because as soon as you said Mel Gibson reads minds, I was rushing out to go watch What Women Want. I don't want to know what he does with that, with that info. He's Mel Gibson. He's a creep. So, um, yeah, let's move on. Oh, my God. To the bad movie. Of the week. Alright. So for bad movie of the week. 
We were just talking about him, guys. The one, the only, Adam Sandler. The reason he knows the female perspective so well is because he plays one in a movie. He plays Jill, guys. He plays Jill. So, everyone knows that the most bottom-of-the-barrel comedy concept is one person playing multiple people in a movie. I'm, I, I'm thinking in my head, if I can even think of one that's good that does that, but... I'm sure there is one. I'm sure, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, so, of course, it's an Adam Sandler movie. He has his, his bunch of cronies in there with him to uh, be in the movie for some reason. Tim Meadows, um, Nick Swardson, Dana Carvey, David Spade, Norm MacDonald. You know, his uh, normal group. And, uh, but this time, boys, he's bringing a special punch to the table. He's got power, sheer acting power, coming from Katie Holmes. And the one, the Oni, Oni, (laughs) the one, the Oni, (laughs) Al Pacino. Al Pacino. He plays Al Pacino, right? Oh, he certainly does. They, uh... There's a weird subplot in this movie where he, Adam Sandler, is a commercial director, mm-hmm. which I'm convinced is only a point in this movie because they needed a way to work the product placement in. <laughs> and Lord Almighty, there's a lot of product placement. <laughs> the whole opening scene is all about how good Pepto-Bismol is for you. It's a good scene. That's uh, they they're shooting a they're shooting a important, important message. Yeah, they're shooting a, an ad for Pepto Bismol, and Adam Sandler I says, mean, "I feel like I would need some Pepto Bismol after having seen Jack and Joe." You're probably right. So. I I didn't. I that was foolish of me. I probably went to bed with an upset stomach, um, and the other things they say on the commercial that I don't remember. Um. So he he gets so perplexed that he drinks a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Just chugs it. I think that was supposed to be a joke. But again, I don't see a joke in this whole movie. The joke is that this movie exists, I think. So then his uh, sister comes into town. Oh, she's so obnoxious. What a crazy woman, Adam Sandler says. And then what do you know? By God, his sister is Adam Sandler. It's like a Christmas miracle brought to us by Jack and Jill. If one Adam Sandler isn't enough, you've got two in this one. It's not enough. Strap in yourselves, boys, because it only gets weirder and wilder from here. Because, uh, uh, 
their gardener is a very um, stereotypical Latino man. Of course. Who his catchphrase is, I'm kidding. That's a good catchphrase. And he always says it after saying something horribly offensive. (laughs) So he's half the internet. Yeah. It was just a prank, bro. And uh, there's like one where he's like, oh man, this is like the best bean dip ever. And I would know because I brought it with me after I hopped the border. And then everyone will look at him for like 10 seconds. And then he'll go, I'm kidding. (laughs) And that's the joke. That's yeah, the movie, joke. I, I feel like this movie has aged well, you know? Oh. I think it might, need, it might be time for a critical reevaluation <laughs> Of Jack and Jill. The true <laughs> political power that lies beneath Jack and Jill. Yeah. That's the, it's the film that's going to unite us all back together again. Because people are going to watch this and they're just going to be like, Hey, see? People, people who jumped the border... Not that bad. They're just kidding. They're just kidding. <laughs> and then, so, so yeah, then they're they're all gonna be okay with it again. Adam Sandler's sister's main character traits are that she's annoying and she's fat. <laughs> Those are her two traits. Um, again, no one quite understands female perspective as well as Adam Sandler. (laughs) He really cuts to the core of what's important. Um, oh my god. There's like a scene, like the CGI. Why is there CGI in an Adam Sandler movie? Well, let me tell you. Uh, Jill riding a donkey. Again, riding a donkey at this... Gardener's family reunion. Because they date. Jill and the gardener. They date. They date hard. And she goes to the uh, family reunion. And she's sitting on the donkey. And the donkey's legs go all out. She like brutally maims this donkey. And it's for fun and jokes. Because oh. She weighs so much. That's how Adam Sandler writes a joke. And then uh. There's also like a Wave Runner. Oh yeah, Wave Runner product placement, uh, where she, Jill is riding a. So stupid. <laughs> She's riding a jet ski in a pool, and she like dives under and goes up, and the CGI is horrible, and it goes way high up in there. She falls off, and it lands on like their table, and the table gets destroyed, and it's like, uh oh. And I'm surprised the guy didn't come running in and say, "I'm kidding." <laughs> Because it's like every time they want to have a punchline, they just have them come in and scream it. Um, yeah, so then the, the Al Pacino, they want Dunkin' Donuts wants Al Pacino to be in their commercial. Because they have a new drink called the Dunkachino. Is this a movie or a commercial? Well, Aaron, you see, 
at the same time this movie came out, Dunkin' Donuts had a new Dunkachino drink. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted to market it. So they wanted <laughs> Al Pacino for a Dunkin' Donuts commercial in the movie, but also, like, in real life. <laughs> like, they were just pawning this drink off on the masses. And uh, he agrees. After he wants to um, sleep with Jill. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen, because she's loyal to Gardner Man. Again, I would say his real name, but I'm pretty sure he might not have one. I don't think Adam Sandler gave this man a name. Absolutely. And, uh... They, like, the end of the movie, it, obviously they make up, and they're like, oh, family's family. Whatever, it's dumb. We're all here for the product placements. And, uh, they do... Al Pacino. He's in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial and he he does a rap. Have you seen the rap, Aaron? I have not. We're watching it after to. this. Yeah. He does a musical number rap and the way the movie ends is he looks at Adam Sandler and says, burn this. And I think that might have just been a real moment that the cameras were on for. Because <laughs> he was just talking about the whole movie. So, did he know he was in this movie, or did he think this was like a behind-the-scenes <laughs> documentary for his Dunkin' Donuts ad? I don't know. <laughs> That's the worst part. I just, oh my god! And Nick Swardson is like horrible, right? <laughs> like, just so bad at being an actor. <laughs> like, who's that? Uh, I'll show you after. You'll know him when you see him, but. He plays, like, Adam Sandler's friend in this, and he doesn't like every movie. And, like, he might be a good guy. I don't know. But as far as his acting in these movies, he only gets these jobs because he's friends with Adam Sandler. So. That's Jack and Jill. I'm done. Let's move on to the fault in your stars. This is, of course, the segment where we go onto the internet we find a good review for a bad movie or a bad review for a good movie. We take out all the spoilery bits, all the things that would give it away as to what the movie is. We toss it out there, and uh, we try and see if the other two can guess what it is. Guys, this week, Aaron has got a very special review for us. They're pretty special, yeah. Pretty special? All right. I was just, I was just taking a shot in the dark, but I'm glad it is actually special. There, okay. I have, I have three of them. Three, okay. So I hope you can get uh, one star. Stereotypes and actors playing against type make for a shallow, fun film. Nice action sequences. Uninter 3S thing characters. <laughs> and uninter 3S thing. <laughs> what in the. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> like it's need. It's not an instance where they replaced the E with a 3. It's just a 3. They just didn't know how to spell interesting. <laughs> Alright. Uh, another one. One star. Is this movie good? No. The terrible acting, as well as the terrible visuals, with a terrible camera, kill the mood of a good comedy. But the writing feels like it was made by a five-year-old. I'm feeling it. It's comedy. That's All right, it. Final one. All right. All right. Half a star. Mm-hmm. How dare they? 
There is no substitute for blank. Def not a meathead wrestler and some skanky chick. Blank is always good. But you can't save the mess with one guy. Two. Million thumbs down. So it's Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> it, it is indeed. That is like quite a mixed film, I think. I've heard people say it's great, and I've heard people say it's awful. But it's uh, got a positive rating, so it counts for... Uh... Yeah, it does. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I might need to end up seeing it when it comes to rental. It's definitely one I want to check out, but yeah, I feel like it's just going to be... I don't know. I think it's going to be like one of those films where you're like, it's fine. Like, it's entertaining enough, but it's not really... It's not going to become like a classic like the first one did. Right, it's no Jack and Jill. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> you meant the first Jack and Jill movie. Yeah. Alright. Anyway, that has been... I was waiting for you to do the outro. You don't do that on this show. I, I don't, know. Uh, guys, this has been episode 89 of Reboot Already Underway. If you want to find us around the internet, you can find David, who is not here, but he's still in our hearts and in our souls, uh, and we're asking him to leave, and we say, David, please, please, I beg of you, leave, and he just is a ghost, and he just stands there, and he says, boo. You can find him at dbex15 on Twitter with two S's. You can find Aaron around the internet at littleflamedude on Twitter. This clever blog name's already taken at tumblr.com, where you can read the Aaron's, of course. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find me around the internet, you can find me at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter and Jake Lace on Tumblr. Uh, I posted all of my uh, top 84 films of 2017. <laughs> it was all the ones I've seen. Uh, well, not anymore. I've seen Call Me By Your Name and one other one? That might be it. I don't remember. Um, but yeah. So... You can read that. Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. And uh, if you want to find the podcast around the internet, you can find us at Reboot Already Underway on Twitter, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I actually said SoundCloud the right way this time. Um, well, I'm, I'm impressed. I know. It's real hard to talk. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, of course, <clears throat> you can leave us a review there if you're liking what we're doing over here. Uh, and also... You can leave us a like, uh, a comment, or shoot us an email at rebootartyunderway at gmail.com uh, and ask a question if you want. We might answer it. We, like, it's, there's no precedent yet, so I have no clue if we will answer it. So I, I'm just being honest. Uh, guys, this has been episode 89 of Reboot Already Underway. Next week is 90. And you know what 90 means? What is it? Uh, 10 more to 100. Wow. Yeah. Guys, join us next week when we talk about movies and... The Aaron Award-winning film. <laughs> Every time now, huh? The bye-bye, man. Every time now. I told you, that's why I did it. That's the, that's the sole reason you did it, huh? It's the sole reason. I do genuinely tolerate that song. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Good bye.